Good evening and welcome to Cheater on the Road on the Progressive Radio Network. We're moving. Could you lift up some boxes for us? We'll give you pizza maybe if you show up on time. This is Jeff Chrysler, author of the book Get Rich Cheating, and joining me in spirit is Lee Papa, the rude pundit. Uh, we got some big stuff coming up later this summer, so we just want to give you a little teaser here um, of some things that have gone on recently. I am about to play for you uh, a little piece of a show I did at Northern Michigan University, way up in the cold, cold north, shortly after the Michigan primaries, uh, Bernie won, I think, I can't remember if Trump won, doesn't matter, Trump or Cruz, who, who cares? Um, but this is just a little 20 minute piece of a show. You can hear a crowd, um, in an auditorium, kids today. There was down the hall, literally two people with Nazi armbands. Don't know what they were doing. I want to hope they were reenacting some strange UN meeting that never existed, but, uh, I made it out alive, um, and I'm happy to report in and have you listen to this. And of course, afterwards, stay tuned for the final edition radio hour. And now a little bit of Jeff Chrysler's discussion of the 2016 campaign and more here on Cheater and the Root. Um, and maybe it's like, it's a cliche, you'll find this out. It does change your perspective. Right? Like, I've always been into politics. That's why I have a collared shirt. But um, <laughs> and I'm a baby, and I'm like, hey, you know, I could obsess about my baby, or I could obsess about politics. You know, I could worry about my baby, or I could worry about Donald Trump. You know, I, I could obsess about, like, this adorable little ball of blubber that spews nastiness out of every hole in its body and just is driven by whatever it wants and doesn't care what other people think and has no idea how the real world works. Or I could obsess about my baby. <laughs> Simple little joke. Quick, like, uh, editorial comment. Like, I have my perspective, and I will probably make fun of the right more than the left. Both sides get it. And I understand that people have different perspectives, but tonight, for the next 56 minutes, fuck you, it's my time. All right. Um, I don't understand. Like, I have to like try to reason myself. Like, when I look at the the, the far right, um, and my parents are Republican. You know, this isn't your daddy's Republican Party anymore, right? Unless your daddy was in the Klan. Like, it's not. <laughs> I try. I try to understand like what they're what they're thinking and how they want like the, the world to be a better place in the future. And I'm, like, I have sort of cursed myself by having my main intake of news this election cycle. In other words, the thing I focus on the most has been the GOP debates, right? And and when I watch them, it's like watching two girls one cup, right? It's just like disgusting, and I'm, I'm horrified, but I'm also kind of turned on. I watch these debates and like the, the horrible things that they say and I expect that at the end of them they're all going to go to the front of the stage and go, the aristocrats. <laughs> because I don't understand like sometimes I'm thinking like, you know that Jeff Foxworthy show? Um, it's like that, the, are you more presidential than a fifth grader? <laughs> they're, they're not, sometimes. Um, and I want to hear that, like the issues, but like it, uh, it just evolves, um, and I sort of I sort of wear out my eye rolling motion. You know what I mean when I listen to them. And like you got to watch, and I've also watched the Democratic debates, and those are not I wouldn't call them like thrilling exercises in democracy, but they're sort of less um, they trigger less things in me. I think I need a trigger warning before I watch the Republican debates. Um, now there's only three people left, right? So the debates is sort of like Mary fuck kill. Um, <laughs> 
which I hadn't planned on doing this. Uh, but let's see. Uh, um, uh, John Kasich, Mary. Hands, Mary. Fuck. Kill. All right. Oh, well, but don't forget this too. Ted Cruz, Mary. Uh-huh. Fuck. Kill. Yeah, yeah, that's how I figured. And Donald Trump, Mary. Fuck. Kill. Okay, you can't kill them all, you guys. It's not, it's not cool. You need opposing viewpoints in the world. No, all right, let's... I, uh, I will not, I will keep my preferences a secret, um, for now. I, uh, um, I watch, like, the, the, the debates, and I think about all the Republican candidates that have been out there, and I'm actually disappointed, because I, like, I, I think that our country needs, like, a viable two-party system, right, with opposing viewpoints and ideas and, and debate about it. But I look at the Republican candidates that they listen, it's like, I felt like it was, you're playing, you're, you're in a sport, and you're playing a team that just has really bad athletes, like you know you're going to win, but you're concerned that they're going to do intentional injury. <laughs> right? I mean, think about who's, who's been in the, the campaign. Uh, Rick Santorum, who, to his credit, got the endorsement of 14th century Spain. Um, well, so I, got, I had to write that there were like so many of them, I had to write it down. Uh, uh, Rand Paul, who actually kind of liked Rand a little bit. Like, there were moments when he seemed reasonable. He's like, come on, guys, we can't eat babies. But he's also, you know, the son of uh, Ron Paul, and as they say, the noose doesn't fall far from the tree. Um, have you read some of the stuff he's written? Uh, Carly Fiorina. Carly Fiorina, who, who uh, goodness bless her, um, was, uh, you know, a female Republican candidate it is a rare thing, and I think that's wonderful. And in a way, sort of uh, in a backwards way, she was uh, advancing the cause of women's rights. Because you may not know this, but before Carly Fiorina ran for president, she ran Hewlett-Packard into the ground. And when she was fired, she got a $21 million severance. And she's a girl. A guy would have gotten like $28 million. In fact, two years later, Mark Hurd, same company, fired for the same reason, got a $28 million severance. So she's bringing to the fore women's issues by being terrible. Um, who else was in there? Uh, ben Carson. I don't even want to waste my breath. Um, he, was, he was great, but he was like, what was, he was just like an outer space dude. Like, what was... Chris Christie who um, I've, I've spent a lot of time in New Jersey growing up, or living right now, rather, in the New York area. Um, and I'll say, first of all, Chris Christie, I feel bad for him because he was going to be, like, the bombastic a-hole and, like, the tough guy, and he totally got trumped, right? Like, literally got trumped. Um, and this is something you should know about Chris Christie. Chris Christie is a horrible mobster. Now, I don't mean he's a horrible person. I mean, he's a really bad mobster, right? Chris Christie is related by, uh, through marriage, to the Genovese crime family. And Chris Christie's, like, big scandal was Bridgegate. Like, how disappointed is a Genovese crime family in that? Like, what's it? Hey, boss, uh, this mayor's giving us a hard time. What should we do? Huh. Let's rearrange his traffic patterns. <laughs> and I'm most disappointed he's out of the race because eventually I was going to get, like, this kind of thing because I didn't want to make fat jokes about him, but if I just acted fat... It would be... Anyway. Jeb Bush... Of course, drop out, or should I say, Jeb! Bush, drop out. Yeah, that exclamation point. The, the exclamation point in Jeb's name, or his little logo, with, to me, it's like the comedian that laughs at his own jokes. <laughs> it's like, instead of actually causing the emotional response, he fakes it. Right? And it also means he's not going to be president. 
Um, and Jeb Bush, by the way, was at best the third smartest Bush. Right? And there was a pretty big drop-off from one to two. Um, who's left? Uh, Rubio? Oh, no, Rubio is out. Um, I'm glad Rubio's out. Rubio really frightened me most of anyone because he was like a wolf in Rubio clothing. Um, he was just such an angry little teenager, don't you think? <laughs> Um, John Kasich, John Kasich, uh, who I will give this, he's committed to being a president, and he's so committed to it that he has put his face through eight years of stress. Um, have you seen the guy? He's got like cocaine jaw growl thing. It's really creepy. And uh, as you may know, because you're nearby, Kasich basically sold off his state's public education system to charter schools that were like all in his, or all donated to him. And so he talks about education, and it's like... Uh, it's like a metaphor that I'd come up with here that'd be kind of funny. Um, but it's a little twisted. Uh, Kasich, Cruz. Here's my, um, I want to tell you my Cruz story before we get into the main course. The guy that's missing, the main meaty thing, the guy with the stakes. Um, so Ted Cruz is a pretty terrible person. All right, that's it. Um, it it's, here's the thing, I went to Princeton. Um, that's right, before uh, making it big in comedy. Um, before making it here in comedy. Uh, I went to Princeton, I went to law school, and then I went to Burning Man and took some drugs. And, anyway, um, I went to Princeton uh, after Ted Cruz, a little bit after him, um, and, but I knew sort of like through degrees of separation somebody that knew Ted Cruz when he was there. And at Princeton, there's this thing called outdoor action, which what that is is uh, the week before you enter as a freshman, you go camping with like uh, 12 other incoming freshmen. Um, in the woods, and you get to know what you think about like what this is a setup. It's like you're out camping in the woods, and camping, as you probably know in this area, it's an awesome experience, bonding experience. And you're with 12, like 18 year olds who are about to go to Princeton, who, yeah, later most of them become asshole bankers. But at 18, right, they're like smart and, and accomplished and like energetic and eager. Like they, they feel like the future leaders of the world. They feel like all this opportunity is about to happen. And like I was one of them, and it's just like, it's an exciting time, and you're so optimistic and positive, and it's just like, it, anything is possible. And so he's out in the woods with these people, and these other 12 amazing 18-year-olds all voted to send him home. <laughs> that is what an asshole he is. Um, it's a true story as far as the person telling me. So it's the, what's scary is it's, it's not that hard to believe about him, right? Y'all go, oh, but then you're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Um, but let us, uh, let us discuss the man of, uh, of the current hour. Um, I won't ask if there are any Trump supporters here, but I will say if there are, like, as we'll get to in a little bit, like, I, under, I think I understand, and, um, and I don't, um, I, I don't like Trump. I don't really have anything against the supporters, so as I joke about him, feel, feel free to not, I don't know, shoot me or start a riot or something. Um, it's kind of sad that you have to make that disclaimer when you talk about Trump, but... Um, I don't, I, I have not wanted to, like, really write or think about Donald Trump. I'll tell you, like, for, uh, shoot, it's probably been, like, ten months now. I've sort of been in, trying to live in a bit of state of denial. Like, oh, ha, ha, Donald Trump's running for president. It's funny. <laughs> but, um, it's not. <laughs> uh, he is. And I won't give Donald Trump this. Like, um, he, he has done that American tradition of pulling himself up by his father's bootstraps. <laughs> And that's, uh, that's admirable. <laughs> I saw a sign when I was coming there that I guess there are Trump supporters in this region. It said, Moat Builders for Trump. Because we're all going to 
need some sort of protection from the, the hordes. <laughs> um, he, here's the thing about Donald Trump. I think he just wants to do to America what he's not allowed to do to his daughter. Um, <laughs> just give her opportunity. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are thinking. Um, here's what Donald Trump is and why like, I, I will say... I don't, I don't harbor ill will towards his supporters. Donald Trump, to me, I look at him, he's like a Rorschach test, right? Like, whatever you want to see in him, you see in him. In part, because he says everything, right? It's like, he said one day, he's like, I'm, I'm for torture. I'm against torture, right? Like, I'm for invading the Middle East. I'm against invading the Middle East. You know, like, I'm for killing all Muslim people. I'm for killing all Muslim people. Like, he changes up. What are you saying? So you can, you can hear whatever you want, you want, like you can think, oh, the horrible things he's saying. He's just saying that. He doesn't mean it. If that's what you choose to hear. And in a weird way, I look at the way that, uh, that people project what they want to see onto him, and it reminds me of 2008, how some people reacted to President Obama, then-candidate Obama. Like they saw so much in him that they wanted to be. Um, I don't know if you remember, but like people had crazy Obama mania, like, oh! When Obama gets elected, the first thing he's going to do is he's going to fix the economy, right? Then we're all going to get our homes back. Ooh, and then the icebergs will go back. And Princess Diana will rise from the grave and marry JFK Jr. Wrong and free iPhones and blowjobs. Yay! <laughs> Nancy Pondosi. <laughs> I didn't quite work out like that, right? But people saw, like, an amazing future. Now, that's great. Like, I was, so, one, I wasn't totally off the, but, like, that's what people see in Trump. And that's why, like, I don't necessarily think that, that, that Trump uh, supporters are racist. I think some of their feelings, some of the things they want may sort of lead to racism, a couple steps. But what, what I think it is is there are people that, that long for a past that never existed. They long for, like, being dominant. They long for, like, opportunities and ease, ultimately. Right? People complain about, like, the, the playing field is uneven. Well, they want the playing field to be uneven tilted towards them. Right? They don't want, like, now this, like, open competition. Like, America, capitalism is supposed to be a competition, but now there's competition around the world. There are immigrants, there are people of color, there are women. Like, it's competition for everything, and it's hard. Like, I understand, look, trust me, I wish the Jews really did run Hollywood. Right? I would be, it'd be great if you could escape it, but that isn't what happened. And I think a lot of Trump supporters, they, they want to, like, have the, the things come to them easy. And we all do, and we're all not getting that. And they sort of want to be like the beer league softball team that wins one game and goes, world champs! Right? But that's not the way it works. And yet that's what Trump promises them. You know, Trump gets on stage and says, look at me. Guys, you could have this all. You could have this amazing hair. Right? You can be young again. You can be energetic and virile. You can have whatever you want. You can be sexy. You can have, you can have sex with this beautiful Eastern European model. Trump is basically a Viagra commercial. <laughs> And people are going to say, if you think about it, that would be a great slogan for him. <laughs> as long as we're here, I'll take a little break on Trump. And I have uh, new slogans for all the remaining candidates. Um, Trump, I'm fucking America, and you can too. Ted Cruz, the devil you know. <laughs> oh, the devil you know. Multiple ways of reading. John Kasich. I could literally eat a baby and still be better than these two assholes. <laughs> what is he doing with his hands? Like, I feel... Does he have... Uh, Hillary Clinton? Narrowed eyes, clenched teeth, can't lose. 
Friday Night Lights, everyone? Am I, is that old? Are we good? Okay. And of course, of course, of course, Bernie Sanders. Oh, come on! Hey, you kids, get on my lawn! He's, he's adorable. <laughs> I love him so much. I don't, I don't want to go for him, but I love him. Anyway, um, I'm kidding. We'll get to it. We'll get to Bernie. Um, here's what I, why, like, I understand why people can get excited by Trump, and I can understand those that say, like, voting for Trump, it's like a protest vote against the current system. Fair enough. You want to protest by voting for Trump, I understand that. But if you actually want Trump to be our president, you're fucking crazy. Okay? Like, sometimes there's a light bulb that needs to be changed, and my wife won't change it. I will sit in the dark to protest that. But I will not go lick a light socket. Right? There's a difference between trying to like send a message and just blowing shit up. And I don't. <laughs> you know, even the GOP now, even like what was sort of the crazy GOP, and, and I used to think that like Ted Cruz was running to make Jeb Bush look sane, but now it's off the charts. But even the, the regular GOP is starting to wonder if Donald Trump gets elected, is there even going to be a country left to exploit? <laughs> I mean, What's frightening to me is people have said that, many people have said this, not that, that um, a lot of the far-right Republicans particularly, a certain brand of Republican, they don't, they're not upset by what Trump's saying, they're upset by how he's saying it. He's being so blatant, he's not sort of dog-whistling. You know, he's going, here boy, red meat, come on! Right? He's being obvious about it, he's sort of like blowing the cover, but you know what? After all the voter suppression, all the alienation, if all they're left with is Trump voters. Right? It's sort of like they, you know, being foisted on their own petard, which is an expression that I wouldn't use at a Trump rally. Um, I just, I feel like this is, this is a bit of comeuppance. And again, I'm sad because I think we should have two parties, but like, what has the Republican Party done in basically the last eight years, the Obama presidency? Done everything they can to stop him. Not like everything they can to make the country better, but to stop, like when George Bush... George W. Bush was president. I didn't really like what was going on. I went to anti-war protests. I made my voice heard, but still, in the end, like it's America. Let's hope for the best. The Republicans last eight years feel like to me. Have you ever heard of um, uh, scan uh, tandem skydiving? You know, it's like where you go and like you're just a, the amateur and there's a pro and like you're wrapped in and they jump out of the plane. The Republicans are like the guy in the front going down. He goes, "I hope that guy's chute doesn't open." <laughs> and get splattered. And when it and it it. It frustrates me because I don't know what the Republican vision of America is, right? Like when, uh, whenever, like I remember when Bush was being elected, uh, Democrats would always say, "Oh, if George Bush gets to be president, or even now with with Trump, if Trump gets president, I'm moving to Canada." Where would Republicans move to? Right, the 1980s, uh, 1930s Germany. <laughs> you know, where would they go? Like they had this love affair with the 80s. Like Reagan was Jesus. I mean, he wasn't. Right? I mean, like, you know, things were nice and simple back then. There was an evil empire, um, you know, and, like, you could make a lot of money on Wall Street. But, like, what is their, like, obsession? What are they, like, excited to do? Um, and I don't know what the answer is. And, and I will say this about Bernie. Like, that is, he's, he's excited, right? He's the excited candidate in this campaign. Whether you like him or not or whether you think he can win or not or whatever your reasoning is, he's, he's excited in a way. He's kind of like, he gets people excited. He's sort of like a drug, right? Like he gets you, he's like, he's like, Wall Street, oh yeah, oh yeah, Wall Street. Right? But like, you know, unfortunately right now, like the bag's running a little dry on the, 
on the drug. We're trying to get our last little hits. He's a one, like, here's the thing. Bernie Sanders is sort of a one-issue guy. Now, I think his one issue is one of the two most important issues. I think money in politics is as, is as or just underneath education to me, um, as an important issue. But, like, it's a one-issue guy. It's like, Bernie, what are you going to do for the economy? Fix Wall Street! Bernie, how are we going to fight terrorism? Fix Wall Street funding the terrorists! Bernie, you've got a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's Wall Street! Like, he's just always on Wall Street. And again, like, I think that's important, but I, I, I look at the way he's conveying his message, and, and, I, and I don't think it's going to resonate, because he's attacking billionaires in a country full of people who regularly play Powerball. A country of people who think they're one step away from being billionaires. Right? Like, he's attacking being rich, which I don't think that being instant rich is, is a good thing for us to achieve or to strive for. That's the American dream. And I think that, that like, if you attack people's dreams, they're not going to connect with you. I know, like, if Bernie's like, the top 1% of all New York Jews who sleep with lingerie models have got to go. I'd be like, hey, that could be me. But anyway, um, I'm not really a New York Jew. I grew up in Massachusetts. I'm not that Jewish. Boy. Um, I just like, I would love Bernie to be like the head of economic reform in someone's cabinet you know, or someone's administration. Um, who would that person be? <laughs> Hillary. Hillary's the other option. I, I, I would lay it out there. Like, I support Hillary. If, if Bernie was a candidate, I would support him. I would go for it. But like, I'm conflicted with Hillary because I see Hillary and I see Trump coming and part of me is like, Trump is this like wild card. Like Ted Cruz, if he gets the nomination, at least you know what kind of an asshole he's going to be. He can prepare for it. Trump, who knows? He might get the nomination and suddenly be like, I am a pro-choice anti-gun, motherfuckers. Right? <laughs> and he have no idea. He's like this Godzilla mutant monster and like, we don't know what's going to happen. And, and I look at Hillary and I'm like, you know what? If, if the world's being attacked, right, all your science fiction movies, you send out your most tested warrior, right? And Hillary Clinton has been getting shit for 25 years, nonstop, right? People on liberals left, on the right, they always say, like, well, she's not trustworthy. Yeah, because for 25 years, people said she's not trustworthy, and it seeps in. She's been tested forever. Now, admittedly, she's lost most of those tests. Um, so it's not clear that she's the best one, but part of me feels like she'd be equipped to take on the Donald monster. Um, and there's something else that I really sort of like, like about her. I mean, you know, she does have issues, as anyone in public life would be. Like, you know, she said, I did not have sex with those emails. Um, <laughs> and she's compromised, as anyone in our system would be, because you have to, like, have the influence of money. And there are issues, I understand. Um, but bottom line, a, a Clinton presidency, to me, would be boring, but efficient. And it's like, boring? That's not fun. That's not reality TV. Yeah, but... It shouldn't be reality TV. I don't want, like, you know, every week uh, Donald Trump to vote one race off the island. Like, I don't want that. <laughs> I worry that that would be... What would happen? And, like, I, I like a nice, smart, thoughtful president. I mean, you know, she's got her problems. More than, more than that, I gotta say, like, I would like to have a female president. Right? I mean, it doesn't have to be this female, but, I, I, like, that would be a nice perspective. Yeah, and not just like a nice perspective to have, but like I look around our country and think about what we need to do to keep getting better and it's to get everyone involved and to have a strong role model for women. I mean, like, who are the female political, Sarah Palin, right? 
<laughs> well, but Elizabeth Warren's known by you because, or by us because we're people that pay attention. But for most people in this country, who's the female political role model? It's Sarah Palin. And what kind of role model is that? Like teaching girls, uh, you should be a beauty queen, then governor of a welfare state, then picked from obscurity by a creepy old man, uh, and then you should quit your job after a couple of years in order to make money on TV. Right? I mean, I know I work for Snooky, but nobody else. <laughs> right? And like, it frustrates me because, bear with me on this, it'll get them coming around back to funny, but Sarah Palin, to me, represents women like Clarence Thomas represents black people. Okay. Now bear with me. If, I understand, if you're part of a demographic group and you're also part of a political group and you support the policies of that political group that suppress the demographic group, you'll automatically rise within the ranks of the political group, right? That's why I am the fifth tallest Jew in the Nazi party. But <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're a representative or a role model for your demographic. And it frustrates me because, like, who are the role models for, for women, for young girls in this culture at all? Like, people like Sarah Palin or Kim Kardashian. By the way, you never see those two in the same room at the same time, do you? Because they're the same freaking woman. <laughs> Teaching the little girls of today, the only way to make it in a man's world is to have long hair, long legs, fake boobs, and sex appeal. To repeat men's views of your place in society until you're no longer pretty enough for them to listen to. Fuck that. Like, women are strong and beautiful and powerful. Women have so much to offer us. Women are a huge resource. We have got to tap that. And, um... <laughs> I just want women to have opportunities because I think they bring a lot to our table. They're 50% of our population, right? Like, I know in my life, I want women who are strong and beautiful and powerful. I want women who are empowered, who have got jobs and careers, are out there making money, bringing it home so I can sit on the couch, get high, and play Xbox. <laughs> Revolution, brothers. Yeah. Trump gets a nomination. Hillary or Bernie gets the, the Democratic nomination. And Trump wins then, you know, it was, it was a good run. <laughs> I mean, look, maybe humanity's not meant to go on. It's not. And I think about it, wouldn't, wouldn't it be cool, wouldn't it be cool to live through the end of humanity? Right? Like, most people are not there for momentous change. Most people live in the middle of, like, you know, the different, the industrial era, the different eras. Very few people are there when things, like, we would be there at the end of time, whereas at the beginning of time, the only people that were there were Adam and Steve. Like, we would get to be. <laughs> oh, hilarious. And it went on and on. That was me, Jeff Chrysler, at the University of Northern Michigan a few weeks ago talking about the election. Uh, hey, you know, if you like that and you know people, I perform all over the place. I'm very affordable. I even go with Lee. We do storytelling and we do all sorts of things. Uh, it's a time of year. It's a time of every four years when people learn to it. Anyway, enough commercial announcement, uh, but also listen to the final edition coming up right after this. Um, thanks for tuning in. Lee and I have some big projects coming up later this summer, some stuff at the conventions, and we're excited to do it here on PRN. This has been Cheater and the Rude on the Progressive Radio Network. Slogan, 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 music, music, music. Bow!